Welcome to In the Landscape, a podcast on all things landscape design and care related with your hosts, Kate and Charles Sadler. We're in studio for another episode of In the Landscape. I'm your host, Kate Sadler, and with me in studio is my co-host, Charles Sadler. Good to be here. Good to be here for another week. We're heading into a holiday week here in the United States. Our tradition of Thanksgiving is going to be this Thursday. I think this episode will drop slightly after that. And the history, too. I think the schedule it's, we're on. I think it's a, a, President Abraham Lincoln, I believe, instituted Thanksgiving, which I think was in the eight, like, it might have been the time of the Civil War, I'm going to guess. That would make sense. I think that's when he was president. So. Right. <laughs> I'm sure it was a... It was a way to, to unify the country, yeah, actually. that makes a lot of sense. And, and we could use some of that. So anyway, that's what's going on here in our neck of the woods. It's kind of a gray, drizzly day at our home just outside Houston, Texas. And so we are kind of daydreaming about holiday decor and getting ready to spruce up the outside of our homes. I was reading an article. Oh, gosh, I wish I could remember where. Like. Yeah, I don't remember where about how folks are getting lights out early because <laughs> it's so oh. it's like we're all kind of ready for well, we've done that, right? festivities. Yeah. So we've gotten our lights going sort of one strand at a time to kind of be sure we're achieving our vision. <laughs> <laughs> we have a design vision this year. We um, corresponded. We chatted with the neighbors, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. We actually were a we little bit ideas aligned with ideas. the neighbor. So to our... Right. And so we, we kind of match, which is kind of nice. A little bit of continuity there. And our, I wouldn't say our lot is huge. So it, it kind of makes it seem more full to, to match with the neighborhood. Right. When yeah. we were out walking in the evening, you come around the, into the neighborhood on mm-hmm. foot and it's quite nice. Aww. Like the two homes read as like a welcoming uh, beacon. <laughs> <laughs> so the festivities are, are great. And also what inspired today's episode is some work that we're doing lately especially as things wind down on the large scale projects, like we won't be putting here in the Northern hemisphere, big plants into the ground until spring. I mean, especially in the Northeast where we have a lot of clients and, you know, it's, um, it's a bit too late. Things would not probably make it. I think here in Houston, we could plant a little longer, but we must have a frost date coming up. The nursery somewhat shut down and well, their inventory is they're not replenishing their inventory here in Texas. Like mm-hmm. it's, so you could find things, but some of the more consumable items, like the more colorful shrubs and perennials, those would be pretty thin. Yeah. And uh, let's see, we've been asked by clients to start doing planters, more planters. We've, we get that work occasionally, but it's definitely, especially as the scenery changes with the change of year here in the North and you don't have as much color or as much vibrancy, you can get a lot of mileage out of your container gardens, out of Mm -hmm. your planters, out of your, you know, designating where the entryway is or making a holiday specific planter to kind of add some color and some, some brightness. Basically cheerful. Definitely. It can be lighted or Mm -hmm. whether it's a landscape light on the planter or there's strands of light or Mm -hmm. other, they have now they have these micro LED it's almost on like a almost like a thread mm-hmm. that connects it. So it's these almost like these print pin prick small lights, and then there's up to the old fashioned big bulbs. <laughs> the whole range. Yeah, there's so much variety. So the light playing with the light is really fun. 
But of course, containers are great any time of year. And you had, when we lived in the Northeast, we had a deck that that looked out over the Hudson River. And you did some planters that had a lot of tropical plants in them almost. Oh, right. We use like like cannas are popular, Mm -hmm. bananas. There's a a supplier, wholesaler on the tip of Long Island. I think it's the North North Fork. Anyone that knows Long Island, I mean, more or less the wealthy community is the South Fork of various towns that are well-known. The North Fork used to be agricultural, like potatoes. And, and so the North Fork now, there's a lot of nurseries. Mm-hmm. So there's incredible perennial growers it was, that I've used over the years. Pinewood, David Rose, I think, is one. I'm trying to think of this. It's a couple, and they grow sort of like rare tropical. So they'd have a variegated purple banana plant and elephant ears that are you know, very unusual colors. Yeah. And you certainly get a lot of those now where we are in Houston, but it was exciting to kind of have them, even though we knew it was going to be, I guess, not, maybe not perennial, that they would probably die back in the winter unless we brought them inside. But you sort of had this tropical feel on this bright, sunny deck. And Mm -hmm. even though it was the middle of, you know, New York (laughs) states. And so we thought we'd do an episode on containers. And as with many of our topics, there will probably be more to cover. So we're going to cover some basics and kind of think through ideas if this is something you want to add to your, your design practices repertoire with things to think through. And then what's amazing is if you Google container gardens, there's so much like DIY material. And so how do we go from kind of looking at Pinterest ideas to getting things in the, in the pots and then keeping them healthy mm-hmm. because it's also not, you know, we have a lot of information for how to plant like a tree and we talk about finding the root flare and things like that. But when you're in this tiny, smaller space, drainage and fertilizing and, you know, all of that needs to be considered carefully. And, well, like even fitting for success. We were just chatting with an employee that was doing a planter right before this episode. And so packing in all these colorful elements, mm-hmm. they'll have roots. So you wouldn't generally, if it was planted in the ground, the roots would never be planted as close mm-hmm. as they would at a planter. And so there's, it's, I mean, it's like an art and a science of packing this all in. Like if it's a small plant, the roots, the base of the roots can often be cut off. Mm. When they come in a planter, they often have excess of small, fine roots. And so that generally can be reduced. If it's a larger, like an evergreen shrub, that's not quite as easy to do that because it's mm. going to be a dense root ball. Mm-hmm. It's not where it's like the smaller shrubs or perennials or vines, those, you, the roots you can really manipulate those quite a bit. A little bit about what was going on during the week before we dive in. We actually spent some family time at a nursery. It almost feels like a good place to go to visit and be busy (laughs) since it's outdoors. So, Mm -hmm. you know, you can distance, you can wear masks easily, but you also have that open air effect. And of course, here stores are getting a lot of holiday themed vegetation. I mean, mm-hmm. anything from cabbages, which have the, the color and the leaves that are going to kind of be hardy through the winter to the evergreens. Kale. And uh, the, the place we went was really quite fun. They have a, like, they sell koi. And so they have a few koi ponds. I don't know if you know the name. Is it Nelson? I think it's Nelson Water Gardens. Nice. Yeah. Which is in Katy, which is a suburb of Houston. Mm-hmm. So that was a lot of fun. And their and- specialty is, I mean, incredible range of fish. So different types of fish that can grow in it 
they can survive outside. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so koi, goldfish, there's, I'm not a fish expert, various sizes. Yeah. Some of the ones in the ponds were, were stunning. I mean, they yeah. were huge. I don't know, maybe not three feet long, but they were maybe 30 inches, enormous koi that mm -hmm. were, I'm not, again, I'm not a, a koi expert, but they were like, to me, the, they looked like they were show quality, like really mm -hmm. incredible patterns, colors. All right. <laughs> the adventures of, of the home studio. It sounds like we have tree work happening in our neighborhood, which right. is not uncommon because we have a lot of live oaks around here. So it's some, it's some like landscape mood music in the yes, background. Yes, exactly. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, well, we often go through our list of projects, you know, obviously the seasons are changing and, and the work sort of changes as we go. And since this is akin to some of the projects we're, we're doing now. Um, let's go ahead and dive into the topic. So container gardens. I do think that one of the things that appeals about container gardens is, you know, and we often, because we're so focused on the, on the broader landscape and these very, you know, large scale plants, things that take time to mature. And the benefit of the container situation is that it is a little bit, I don't want to say it's like furniture exactly, but it's, but it is a little more like decor where you can, mm -hmm. you can be thinking in terms of color and, and changing it. And it does require work over time if you want what's in there to continue to look good. But you also may encounter periods where you need to pull something out and be replacing gaps with, with other plants. So mm -hmm. when you are tasked with doing container garden design, kind of where do you start? The vessel. So. Mm -hmm. If it was in the ground, it'd be the soil. You do like a soil test. Is there a, comp is a root competition from a big tree? So with the container, you, you know that there's a limit, like there's a, a, where the container begins and ends. Mm -hmm. So if a client has a container and they're happy with it, and it, it seems like it's going to, horticulturally, it's going to work, then we work with that. I mean, planters are often not big enough, I find, clients have planters to have enough impact like when you see an actor or an actress on stage, the makeup, it looks perfectly reasonable. When you see them up close, like after their performance, the makeup looks like almost ridiculous. Mm, like it's mm -hmm. so exaggerated. Mm -hmm. That's like, I think, akin to a planter. Right. For okay. it to really have impact, it needs to be like that rouge needs to be, you know, just like jumping off of the, mm -hmm. <laughs> off of the, uh, of the person's face or the planter. So to... You're more or less like packing in more into the planter than can reasonably fit. Mm -hmm. Like in fast food, be a French fries, or let's say you have, you're going to get eight ounces of French fries. It wants to look like that container is overflowing. Mm -hmm. It's like appetizing. It's welcoming. It's, it's exciting. Now, if you had a 10 ounce container and you had eight ounces in it, it's not too exciting. Mm -hmm. It looks like, oh, I'm kind of getting shortchanged mm -hmm. or. So a planter is similar to that, that. Now, do you measure? So once you have the planter, let's say you've, you know, preset it outside so that you're able to kind of evaluate if the scale of the planter itself is right. And then you're trying to figure out how many plants to put in it. Now, we're usually measuring specifically distance on center from plant to plant, making sure mm -hmm. there's enough room for it to grow and fill in. Um, are you still doing a sort of measuring or are you sort of eyeballing it typically? If I'm doing it myself, I'm like I have in front of me, I, I do a sketch. Mm, mm -hmm. So I'm imagining, and then whether it's an employee or an outside contractor that we work with, and then they're visiting. So we're, there's the concept stage where you're imagining the size of it. So if it was going to be like one evergreen in a planter, and you wanted 
you wanted the planter to be full, like you want a dwarf blue spruce, it's going to set off the stone facade of the house, let's say. And more or less, the more precision you want, then you have to measure more carefully. Mm. So I mean, to have it be effective too, if it's a big planter and you're going to have a lot in it, you have to be pretty precise or there's going to be waste or you're mm. going to run out. So mm. there needs to be a, so I often do a sketch. And so I'm imagining, even if I don't have the measurement, like I work from photographs often, what the client is in another state from us mm-hmm. and somewhere. So, but I'm imagining, okay, it's going to be an upright evergreen element. And that that's not going to take up the whole planter. Mm-hmm. And then I do a sketch. Then there's going to be three smaller colorful elements in front of the evergreen. And there's going to be some kind of a vine. Well, and you have a funny like three-word phrase for that, right? Oh, right. That's like the old, the, let's see, there's a vertical. Then mm-hmm. there's sort of the horizontal. Mm-hmm. And then there's the one that drapes. Mm-hmm. So it's thrills. That's mm-hmm. the vertical. <laughs> and that's usually not, I mean, it, it could, it's not the whole planter. Mm-hmm. And then fills. And then spills. Thrill, thrills, okay. fills, and spills. <laughs> and so people that are, I mean, like we do planters, so there's folks that that's their primary business. Oh, yeah. Which, I mean, they do it at a, such a high level. I'm in awe of that we meet in our, in our travels. And so they'd often refer to, well, like in the movies, there'd be the leading man or the leading woman, mm-hmm. and then there'd be the character actor. Mm-hmm. And so they would refer to these plants. So like the plant that was the fill would be like the character actor. Mm-hmm. It's like doing a good job. And the thrill would be like the leading lady or the leading man. <laughs> Which is great because when we've talked about landscape design in the broader landscape, we, you know, we talk about the vertical elements, the trees, and then there's the, the shrubs, which are kind of filling in and maybe perennials, which are a layer below that, and then maybe a ground cover or something. So it's a similar idea that, you know, a landscape looks pretty sterile. If you've ever been to an office park that just has trees, there's right. something kind of off about it. And, and you would yeah. almost, you might even think that, well, then if you fill, but surely you want to see the lawn stretching out. But if you don't have anything to kind of direct the eye, then it's just this weird, like two layers, grass mm-hmm. and tree. It's right. not quite, it's not quite enough. Now, I mean, some people do have like standard, is it where it's like on a single stem, mm-hmm. like a, a standard boxwood or even citrus tree that is oh, right. in a decorative pot, but that's a very deliberate choice i almost think if you had if you did that a lot but not thoughtfully somehow or or you didn't Mm -hmm. have other elements in the landscape around it which again we often do if it's a container garden that it might seem awkward so it can Mm -hmm. certainly work but it's something to be mindful of especially if you are if the goal is to go for one of those like effusive overflowing planter effects right and to show that's a great uh, description we often, the, the photos are so important. So we ask clients, save an idea board for us. Show ex- what do you, exactly do you mean? Mm. Like, oh, this type of hydrangea, I like this, but then this one looks messy. Mm-hmm. Um, so that it's, yeah, it's quite personal. With the standard in the pot, I mean, that would be, as far as I know, I mean, that'd be like, it's very restrained. It's very powerful. So you'd see that like in a French style garden where that's, there's a high level of precision, and so getting, if you have standards where it's a single trunk and then globes of topiary or mm-hmm. wherever it might be, when we're buying those, I mean, I'm setting those up together and say, are these two, are these reasonably close? Mm-hmm. And then they're usually not perfect. And then, oh, this one is a little, 
fuller, I can prune the fuller one to match the mm. smaller one. So there is stuff that you can do once it's potted to kind of trim and shape and refine. And it's not just throw things in a pot and see what happens. Right. Now, it may also have something to do with the the quality of the vessel, even. Mm-hmm. Like I imagine, I, and I've even seen, and again, it's sort of like a DIY um popular topic is like found objects as pots and mm-hmm. you know succulents will grow out of anything for example and you can make a lot out of funky pots but maybe you don't have you know oh my gosh we're always collecting things on the street around here <laughs> you know people are like getting rid of a chipped pot so maybe you do more to kind of cover over the vessel itself if it's you know but then but then some of these containers are really expensive and really quite beautiful and so it's almost like then the container itself is is a work of art and you don't maybe mm-hmm. want to cover it as much. Right. So like with a, a client interaction, there'd be, like we started, there'd be like assessing the planter. Are you happy with it? Is it large enough to do what you're seeking to do, whatever the color, the interest is? And then in some cases, we're starting from scratch, maybe to, for, for whatever reason, or say it's a new home or a renovation and why planters would really make the pool area. And then front of the house, there could be, Planters that relate to it, like a mm-hmm. similar aesthetic. Well, we've even been in a position where we've had custom planters made because they were oh, specific right. for a vegetable garden in particular, and they needed to be mobile. And that's oh, right, that was exciting. Maybe that's another criterion. Like you may have a couple of spaces which you would like your, you know, to have the planters kind of shifting around, so they're not just well. And I mentioned maybe bringing in plants. So again, if it's a citrus, but you're in the Northeast. And you have your orangerie, <laughs> you might be bringing in, you know, your citrus. And so having that mobility needs to be built into the container. Right. To really think it through. Yeah. It, so program in which we talk about a lot on our program. Mm-hmm, right. <laughs> and, um, and just kind of assessing, you know, are you going to take stuff out and completely replace it? Are you going to want to have different pots for different times of the year and really have fun with all those different elements? Because it's all a part of the design. Right, it really thinking it that it's that design is thinking it through, playing mm. it out. Now, horticulturally, I know that we have had items in containers, and I don't know if it's like they're a little more exposed or it's harder for them to get established. You still have to sort of do your sunshade study and make sure that your containers are not super exposed. I don't know. Is it, is it harder to keep things alive in the container? It's more you extreme. Just, you just sort of like assume they're going to be little sacrificial lambs or is it like, can, well, you keep, can you really keep them alive? And then can you transplant them to your garden if they've been in the pot for oh, a while? Right. You know, there's clients that do that where they have, I mean, quite significant specimen plants that are in the planter in the summer. And then in some case, if it was like a banana, let's say, plant, that could go into a greenhouse. It could be cut back. If it is, there's cases where that where a shrub is planted in the garden for the cool season. So like probably by the end of October, everything is taken out of the, the planter. It's planted in the garden. And so what's the benefit of that? Well, let's say a boxwood standard in a garage, not the greatest, mm. you know? So it's because it's like, it's, it's very dry. If it's heated, that's not good for for the plant if it's planted in the ground there's like a normal ebb and flow of moisture Mm. so it snows it it warms up there's moisture and it's almost like a christmas tree because i've seen this happen where you like bring something in that's been used to being outside 
And like, it looks good. It looks good. It looks good. You go to move it and like all the leaves. Oh, all right. It's like a Charlie like, Brown Christmas tree uh, moment where everything <laughs> jumped for the needles. And you're like, oh no. And, and it's just sort of beyond repair because it's, you know, it's so warm inside typically. Right. And dry. Yeah. Oh, dry. Yeah. Mm. And that's often the enemy. So the, yeah, the planters, planters can be, there can be elements that are repurposed. People that have been to San Antonio, Texas, the river walk is like mm. a part of the cultural, you know, experience. And that's been there for that many decades. There's an area that's more recent called the Pearl that was a brewery and it's been repurposed. There's a, might be called the Hotel Emma, maybe. So it's a upscale hotel that's part, which is like where the corporate offices were. That's this very elaborate. And then there's elements that are very industrial and rough mm-hmm. and so they repurposed it looks like a like a gas container like you'd have propane in so it's like a like a horizontal mm-hmm. maybe five foot long container and those have been cut open and those are planters so it's like this sort of you know rugged rusty red and it's on a stand and it, it really fits in because it's this industrial site that's now mm. for entertainment there's restaurants yeah. and nice. and so that's an example there's I mean, throughout history, there are zinc planters and mm-hmm. lead. You see that in, in old European gardens. Why would you want to use that? Well, the, the lead is pretty stable. Mm-hmm. And as it ages, it takes on a patina. So it improves more or less with age. Well, it's a really quick way. We've even talked about doing an episode sort of around this concept of vernacular, but it's almost like the container, especially if you select native plants, but even if you went, you know, in a slightly different direction, it lends almost immediate vernacular. So as you mentioned, the gas canisters or, or what have you, of course, you know, on our last or recent episode, we talked about making sure the materials you have are safe. So it might need mm. to have been cleaned in a certain way or whatever. Right. <laughs> you don't have small children around your lead lined uh, planters, but you were even talking about like animal troughs, like, like watering oh, troughs, right. which could potentially then be used for a water feature or for the containers. And then all of a sudden it's like immediately evoking a sense of place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Great idea that some of the, like we have projects that are in the works now where it will be a public site or doing some concept development, a park of some sort. And so having in Texas, agriculture is a, was, and is a big part. So these animal troughs, they're often, I mean, to my eye, they're like unusual shapes because mm-hmm. what's the program? It's to get as many horses or sheep or cows water. So some of them are like very long and thin mm. and they're at a nice height. It's almost mm-hmm. like a seating height. Right. And they have, there are reclaimed ones and they're very, so even like a new one, an enormous concrete trough. I think it was like $300 mm. where, I mean, a modest concrete planter for your house is that much. Yeah. So it's it's very economical. The producers they're making it for agriculture. So it's not <laughs> it's the it's the minimum. Right. And there's all kinds of metal products. When you were talking about native plants, the Berkshire Botanic Garden, which is Western Mass, Stockbridge area, mm-hmm. they have a new. I'm not sure if it's a visitor center, but it, it's the architecture is it's uh, evocative of the vernacular. It has like mm-hmm. a red barn type feel. And they have these very modern weathering steel or corten steel, like rusted steel planters. So very minimalistic. And then these effusive sort of wild native plants like mm. goldenrod, white pine, 
uh, that are like overflowing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, contrast can be great. So rustic and and clean, or or like classic modern containers with the wild perennials. If you can't go out and do, I don't know, the entire High Line in your backyard, you can oh, have right. a planter that's really evocative of like the metal and the grasses, and and kind of get that aesthetic in a pretty, I won't say simple way, but effective and kind of like targeted way. And there's fabricators too. So, mm-hmm. I mean, Brooklyn, when we work in the Northeast, that modern aesthetic, the Corten steel, that you do a sketch and you send it to them and they give you an estimate and then they might, they do what's called a shop drawing. So it'd be even more precise, you know, how thick and where's it going to bend? And, mm. I mean, that's not inexpensive, but a lot can be done. Texas welding is a big part of the culture, mm-hmm. making pipe uh, fences for ranches and the things that really hold up to the extreme weather. Mm-hmm. And so that same kind of ingenuity, there are stone troughs and things can be repurposed. So like an antique yard where there's cast stone or carved stone, all those elements, you know, you can be, they can be repurposed. Uh, drainage holes can be made in them, all kinds of options. <laughs> Well, it's a really fun place to do the imagining. And there's a, there's anytime you're at a nursery and they have a big pot collection, it's just very exciting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> planter collection, I guess. I mean, maybe pots are a smaller size. Yeah, I, don't there, know. I mean, there's all these terms, planter, pot, urns, containers. Like, is it a film? Or is it a movie? <laughs> <laughs> Good point. So now what do we talk about? So it's not just the the container itself, but it's what goes into it. And you had a really great idea, um, which we, you know we've actually used in some of our clients' containers, which is repurposing, especially if you're going to maintain it and pull them out when they're not usable anymore. But repurposing clippings from your from your own pruning, or sometimes right. it's like sticks <laughs> that go right. in. I don't know what the term, if there's a proper term for that. Yeah, great point. So you could have things that are very popular, evergreen cutting. So. Mm-hmm. The false cypress, those come in different colors. There's blue spruce, pine, hemlock. Those are colorful. Then there'd be the stem, like colorful stems. So mm-hmm. gold twig dogwood, red twig dogwood, uh, winterberry holly. So well, I suppose these are especially useful for winter season, cold season planters right. is maybe what we're referring to. Because, of course, we, we were talking about your sort of tropical planter with the banana, but that's not going to cut it. You know, in a cold in a cold season climate. So. Yeah, in a temperate climate, a cutting, it's going to be sort of in suspended animation. It, oh, that makes it, sense. Stick yeah. it in. I mean, some of the projects we've been doing, we knew we wanted to get things planted before there's a, like a good freeze. Mm-hmm. So before Thanksgiving in the Northeast, it's pretty safe. But if you did it, once you get into December, how, which like when, when you're on a highway, it'll say the the bridges freeze before the road. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's like a concrete sitting out and it's got cold underneath. Yeah, and on air, top. yeah. So a planter is the same exact concept. Oh, okay. It's going to freeze because it has cold on all sides, not just, I mean, the ground, I believe if you dig down like about four feet, it's more or less like 50 some degrees Fahrenheit. And it's like if you go into cave systems, they're the same temperature, like all like, throughout the, the cave system. Right, it could be 110 in Arizona, like outside, but mm-hmm. you go in, you dig down to a certain depth, it's about the same temperature mm-hmm. as if you were in a, in a warmer or cooler place. <laughs> so if it's a winter planter, it could be mostly cuttings. Mm. And so if that's done, it wants to be done when it's pretty, it's getting pretty cool. Mm-hmm. If you did it 
in October and it got hot, those evergreen boughs could brown or wilt. But if it's done when it's, let's say, you know, like in the 50, like 50 Fahrenheit or lower, so getting into the, into the late fall, that's pretty mm-hmm. reasonable. And so those could last maybe not till March, but, but well into, look great in December, great in January, very good in February. By the end of February, things start to wane sometimes. Mm. What do you suggest in terms of the soil? I'm sure it depends on the plants in particular, but are there things to be mindful of with containers and the the kind of product that you're putting under the plants? Well, if the planter is going to stay in place and the weight doesn't matter, so that's that's like a bigger concept. If the planter is going to stay in place, maybe you don't really care how, how heavy it is. If it's on a roof deck or a rooftop, then there's special, there's mm-hmm. special, I think there's a soil, the brand name is like Roof Light or something. So it has like perlite, vermiculite. So there's soils made to be light. One of my early jobs was a retail nursery, and I was part of the landscape architecture department that did installations. So we had staff that did a lot of planters. I mean, hundreds and hundreds. I mean, maybe even thousands of planters per season like a big horse farm, they do, you know, like 30 planters. And so there are various types of products. So there's styrofoam packing peanuts. There's ways to fill up the bottom of the planter. If you're going to put small plants, you don't need like 40 inches of soil or 36 Mm -hmm. inches of soil, which is, the soil can, it'll hold the moisture if there's no roots in it. So it's just like soggy. It's costly. It's a lot of soil to fill a very big planter. It's not needed. The roots could rot. You could get disease. I didn't use the packing peanuts myself. There's another. You can use a pot, a mm-hmm. smaller pot, and have it upside down. Oh yeah. In okay. the mm-hmm. and so that creates a void. What I felt more comfortable with is there are large bark chips. So it would be mm-hmm. like the actual chip would be like the size of your palm. From it might even be from like Western pines or, and so that I liked a lot because it was pretty light. It was organic, so it's not bad for the environment, to my knowledge. <laughs> it holds a little bit of moisture, but it's, it lets the water and the soil drain. Mm-hmm. And so we'd fill, I mean, some of these larger planters would be like almost waist height, like a, for a pretty substantial entrance. And so you could fill it up. It would definitely be a third with the pine uh, chips. And so maybe like where listeners are, there might be a different product, but there are organic products that you can put in there. Uh, and then you don't need, that helps with the drainage. I mean, the old saying was to put gravel in the bottom for drainage. I think they found it's not really, it doesn't make that much of a difference. Hmm. But having soggy soil, that's not good. So it doesn't have to be gravel, but something. If it's going to be cuttings, you don't exactly need soil. I mean, the soil looks hmm. pretty, but there are other, there are that, there's that green uh, florist foam mm, mm-hmm. so you guys sort of think it through like what's really needed that makes sense well we're not quite we're, on, man, we're getting to the end of the episode so um do you have anything specific you want to share with our listeners that maybe we haven't covered yet I and mean, again we're sort of all over the place with this topic but of course we're very <laughs> very excited about the the vessel and, and the variety there and and i certainly think that tip about the thrills Bills and spills is good. I may even title the episode based on that. (laughs) And I'm sure some of our listeners will know before, before they even listen. And um, yeah, but anything else you'd like to say in particular about containers and, 
and the challenges maybe or okay sure i mean there's different suppliers maybe i'll go over that at the end i mean the challenge would be the containers can chip mm. if it's like cast stone or concrete or terracotta so i mean imagining are there going to be young children is it a high traffic area so that the container is going to be a piece of furniture more or less and so it it should be durable for the site mm-hmm. and so like whatever that is well um, and like for he- us here in texas unfortunately like certain wood containers probably wouldn't last very long because it's all right so humid they're just going to degrade so if you have to spend a little more to get a, a material type that's going to work for your climate then it's probably worth it like a core 10 steel which is a brand name but like a weathering steel that's like rusted that's in modernism that's quite quite popular that can leave it can stain what it's on mm. so thinking that through a little bit that I mean the containers can be quite a sub, substantial investment mm-hmm. so think like what's the program or how long do you want them to last there are aluminum containers that look like wood that are i mean gorgeous so those are quite expensive where it can be like thousands of dollars per container but it can last forever I mean, mm-hmm. you know so that can be a nice look. I guess challenges would be it's going to get rained on, the wind's going to blow it. So it needs to be pretty substantial. It could tip over. So a pretty heavy, solid planter, as long as that's safe, it's not on a, like a roof or something where it's a problem. The plant in it itself, that could tip over. Mm-hmm. So like a taller plant, there's ways to anchor it, anchor the planter, anchor the plant in it. And the plants want to be in a way you want to sort of do overkill. So if it's like a winter planter in, in a cool climate, the plants are really not going to grow at all. So whatever you see, that's sort of, it's going to stay like that. So in that case, you'd want, if you want it to be full, you should start making it full. Mm-hmm. If it's a, a planter that you plant in the spring, those can be little tiny four inch pots for mm-hmm. some of the fillers. And by the end of the summer, it could be like 18 inches. Nice. And that, that the colors in the planter, it could be an accent to the house. It could be an accent to the existing garden, but it, it should be considered that it, mm. that it goes with <laughs> the other elements. All right. Well, we hope you enjoyed this episode about container gardens. There's a lot of enthusiasm out there for them. If you have any tips or tricks or photos of containers that you're particularly proud of, feel free to share them with us. Mm-hmm. And any parting thoughts? Well, you can adapt the planters even through if a season is like three months. So maybe there's like seasonal like fruit for the like harvest fruit. And then there could be mm-hmm. fruit for others, other holidays. Maybe it's real fruit. Maybe it's not. So there can be elements that you can change in and out. Like there could be Christmas ornaments. Mm-hmm. And then after Christmas, those could be pulled out mm-hmm. or, or like another holiday. Mm-hmm. So the, even within the season, it can be adapted. It can be tweaked. It's a great way to add some variety and mm-hmm. have some fun. That's right. You're not, you're not married to it if you hate it. So well, you can try something like we've done that. Yeah. You can really try something out differently. Things often like those potato vines in the mm-hmm. summer, those grow mm-hmm. like, you know, beautiful gangbusters. Mm-hmm. They really fill out and they're, and they're, they're always coming in new varieties. The planter we just did in New York had like a variegated osmanthus or variegated holly. That was amazing. So mm-hmm. you can probably try something uh, that, you might not plant that in a garden mm-hmm. as a full-size plant, but the planter, give it a try. Yeah, <laughs> sounds good. All right. Well, we hope you have uh, some nice opportunity to get in your landscape sometime soon, even if it's just 
small container. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's still a connection to to the plants and the soil and the decor and the concepts that we love. So thank you for joining us this week. We look forward to bringing you another episode next week. And if you're celebrating holidays this week, happy holidays. And we'll, uh, we'll be back with you soon. Very good. Thanks so much. Thank you. Bye-bye. In the Landscape is brought to you by King Garden, a full-service landscape design, care, and education company. Enjoying what you hear on our podcast? We encourage you to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen. We'd love to hear from you. So drop us a line at connect at kinggardeninc.com. We welcome show ideas, gardening and design questions, and always corrections. We travel all over North America giving garden talks and leading trainings. Check us out at kinggardeninc.com for our speaking details. And also take a look at our online course offerings for more in-depth explorations of topics covered on our show.